darkness running hide you bring the broken back to life only you can only you can set me free from every chain you fill my heart with songs of praise only you so much for uh, coming out and hanging out with us for the day. Uh, go ahead and have a seat and take a look at this video. Hey everyone, so glad you're here with us. My name is Jill Cascone and I'm a part of our Clarkson campus. If you're checking us out for the first time or you're relatively new, welcome. Please introduce yourself by texting hello to 248-781-2771. You can also learn more about who we are at kensingtonchurch.org and by downloading the Kensington Church app. If you haven't yet, stay connected with us 24-7 on all of our social media channels. Before we get into the third week of our Pivot series, I have a few updates to share. The first one is for all the ladies. Insights Women's Bible Study, taught by our very own Kensington women, is starting this fall. And it's a great opportunity to grow in the knowledge of the Bible and connect with other women. 
Insights is meeting virtually each week for two hours, beginning with a large group teaching, followed by small groups for discussion. If you want to be notified when registration opens up, email women at kensingtonchurch.org. Men, we know you're feeling left out, but don't worry, we've got a group opportunity for you too. DIG also launches this fall. The Bible study is for all men, so whether you are a biblical scholar or you've never even opened up the Bible, the group is meeting virtually each week for 30 minutes for biblical teaching followed by small group discussion. To register, head to kensingtonchurch.org men. This next opportunity is for everyone. Back to school looks different this year. But what hasn't changed is Kensington's commitment to support the staff and students of our local partner schools. Each year, we have partnered with 10 local schools to provide thousands of school supplies for more than 4,000 students in need. This year, even more supplies are needed to promote health and safety measures in the classrooms as well as at-home learning. Head to kensingtonchurch.org slash schoolpartners to start shopping. On this page, you'll also find more ways to love our school partners, like volunteering or donating new or gently used books to the book drive. Thank you for your generosity and loving our local communities so well. All right. Good morning, Kensington. How are we doing? Okay, I got I to gotta have something better than that. I know you got mask on. Thank you for wearing a mask, but you got to say hello or something. How are we doing? All right. It, it really is different up here preaching with uh, a small crowd and, you know, mask on. It's really a diff- different, different deal, but uh, so glad you're here. And by the way, let me just say this. Thanks for coming. Seriously, I'm looking at online right now. We've got most of our people are watching online and I would just say to you at, at home, I'm glad you're watching, tuning in, and I just want to say, come. It's safe. It's great. Come. That song we just did, was it amazing? What we just experienced in this room, you can't really experience sitting in, at home. It's just hard to experience that. Uh, so I'll just say this. I had a, a, a good couple that just came last week for the first time because they're immune compromised, and they're like, we just didn't know if it feels safe, and they told me they feel completely safe. So I just want to say, please join us. And by the way, in case you didn't know, we are meeting here Wednesday night. We have our midweek this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. You need to get tickets. You know, I mean, not literally tickets, but you need to let us know you're coming because we can only have so many people. But um, we want you to come and bring your family. It's going to be a great night of worship and music. And I'm teaching from Psalm 73, something I believe God gave me and wants to give all of us. So you don't want to miss uh, this Wednesday night. And today, sort of a special day. We do this once a year. Today's the day. We vote as a congregation on our annual budget and our elders. And so the last couple of weeks, if you've been here or been watching, you've seen our budget, you've seen what we've done in the last year, you've seen the numbers, and you can ask questions anytime you want uh, to do that. But here's how we're going to vote today. We can't vote like normal with a ballot and a program. You're going to have to do it on your device. And I'm going to give you time right here, right now to do it, because this is our only time we do this. Once a year, we all vote. And by the way, this is for everybody to vote. You, you, you may think, well, I'm not a member of Kensington. Doesn't matter if you're a member, non-member. We want everybody's opinion, um, and we want your questions and comments as well. So all you need to do is go to that website, do it right now, pull out your phone, do it right now, kensingtonchurch.org/vote, or the way I do it is go to the Kensington app. If you don't have that, get it because it's all things Kensington, and you can vote on there as well. Just click on the annual report vote and walk through the, the details, ask for your name and different details, and then there's uh, the vote on the budget, the vote on the elders, and uh, if, you know, if you're in service, or you, you can follow the prompts 
But I'm giving you time to do that. We're going to play a little voting music. This is called voting music. So you can have something to listen to while you vote. So take a minute and vote. Okay, so I just voted, so if I could do all that in that amount of time, hopefully you can as well. But if you still need to keep going, just keep going. There's no rush. We're actually going to, I'm going to show you a video now of uh, Orion woman that got involved in our Move Out Network, which I think is a great thing to watch as you, as you finish up your voting, because one of the things you just voted on, or the money that happens here at Kensington, the, the leadership is all about things like this. We are not just a church that meets on Sundays, but we want to be the church Monday through Saturday as well. And so our Move Out Network is us moving out into the community locally and globally to make an impact. And here's a great story of just a Kensington woman that for the first time jumped in to uh, do something in the Move Out Network. And here's what happened. Watch this. To me, I believe serving others means um, devoting my time and resources as much as I can to my ability to help those that need it. My name is Oluwa Kaminoro. Um, I'm from Nigeria, and I've been in the U.S. for about four years now. I got into the U.S. to do my master's in embedded systems, a branch of um, software engineering, and I've been here ever since. I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, my dad was born into that life, um, but eventually he left the organization. We stayed a little bit with our grandmother, so she has been a devoted Jehovah's Witness. So she made us, uh, my, I and my siblings, to stay on that path of Jehovah's Witness. Um, I was a Jehovah's Witness up until my second year in the university when I left um, due to personal reasons. And also I wanted to find a path spiritually for myself. The defining moment that I had with God was when I was in my 400 level. In my fourth year in undergrad, um, I had just started with the new church that I was going to. An event happened during that service, basically, um, where we were told to identify our spiritual gifts. Then at that point in time, that was when I felt the presence of God over my life. And I could hear his voice saying that, just be still, I would guide you. Um, don't rush, don't pressure me. I will show you who you are to me. Luckily, through um, the international um, 
the organization that helps international students, I was paired with an African-American family who introduced me to Kensington, actually. And I loved Kensington because it was so much alike with the church I was, um, I was serving back at home. So it made me want to stay. And I've been in Kensington ever since I came into the US. Jesus was a servant of the people and I've always had the nudging to help wherever I can, whenever I can. And just this COVID season made it even more evident. Um, it made me step out of my comfort zone and try to give back to the community, give back and help those that I need, sacrificing my time, my energy, and my finances to help those who cannot help themselves in this period. Through one of the services at uh, Kensington, um, we were referred to sign up at the Move Out Group. There was a carriage that needed to be fixed, needed to be put together, and that's what I ended up doing. The family that needed it had an eight-month, eight-year-old, eight-month-old child that needed it. So that that was overwhelming to see that the little thing I decided to do could help another family. Um, so that was a good experience. It was different from what I wanted to do, but I'm glad that God put God put me in the right way where He wanted me to be. My engineering background really did help me with that. FateWorks was one of the groups that reached out to me through the Move Out Network. And then um, I showed up. I was withdrawn, I was quiet because it was the first time I was meeting everyone and I had not had a face-to-face -face interaction. So I was quiet and reserved and then Bud Bud came up and he was like, oh, how are you? What's your name? And I told him, he was like, then um, one of the other members from Fitworks came and said, she just joined this week. And Bud was ecstatic. He was so happy. He was like, welcome. It's nice to meet you. What do you do? And he just made me feel comfortable because we were interacting, we were talking. They actually made me very comfortable and welcomed me. And it was so overwhelming. And I was glad I was there because I could help. I could pour the little I can into the lives of Bud and his family. I would say the Move Out Network has helped me to be more, to give more, to show up more, to serve more. They have given me the opportunity to see how I can better myself and better my community. So I would like to ask you that if you can, in whatever way you can, just check out the Move Out Network, check out the site. You will see different opportunities, different ways you can serve. You might not even have to leave your home to serve because some of these positions I have online, just calling somewhere up and encouraging someone spiritually. Um, the Move Out Network covers each and every of this. So um, just sign up, just check out the website, see how you can volunteer, and I'm sure the community would love to have you. I would say it has made me grow spiritually. Um, my relationship with Christ has grown over the couple of months. Over this month that COVID has shown its face, um, my relationship with Christ has grown stronger. I cannot believe where I was in January and where I am now with respect to my relationship with God. And just being able to listen to Him and hear Him lead me, it has been an amazing experience. Tell you what, um, Kemi, are you here? She might be here. She's uh, Orient, uh, one of our Orient attenders. And um, 
you know, she jumps in to move out, and uh, some of you might know Bud Olufsen, who she that day helped move to Grand Rapids. Uh, Bud's an amazing, amazing man who was a uh, construction guy and fell off a roof of a house he was working on and is paralyzed from the waist down. So think about the story you just heard. The one who welcomed her and was so excited she was helping that day was who? Bud from a wheelchair. It's, inc- it's crazy, and that helped Kemi get connected at Kensington. And here's one of the things that happens at a church as big as Kensington. It's easy to never really get connected. You just come, you show up, you sit. Hopefully you sit a, real close to a lot of people. That's going to happen someday again, but you never get connected. One of the best ways to get connected at Kensington is right here. It's called the Move Out Network, where you go do something, be the church in the local community or even globally uh, together. And if you're like, man, what's, what would that look like? I have a lot of questions. Here's, here's my advice. Tomorrow night, is Move Out Monday, 7 p.m. You can jump on just kensingtonchurch.org, Move Out Monday, jump on that digital event, and there'll be people there talking about Move Out and all the different things we're doing, our network, and you can have gifts and use those. You can have, you know, just say, I don't really, I'm not skilled at this or that. We'll find a place for you. You'll help bless others, and you'll also get connected like never before. So that's tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, Move Out Monday. And then as I jump into the message today, the, the last thing I'll do is, in terms of details is I'm going to take the offering right now, and I just want to say thanks for giving. And just like the vote, we don't pass anything because we're doing the uh, social self-distancing thing. So the only way you can give right now is buckets in the back as you walk out or online as well. And thank you for giving. So many are giving, and our giving's been strong through this pandemic, which is amazing. And if you've never given before, there it was. <laughs> you just go online, and again, you can do it through our app. All right, so we are in week three, let's see if you, you know, of a series called, yeah, I feel like I'm leading a small group because there's less people here, so I can ask you questions and we can dialogue. So if you're in my family room, I would say the name of the series is what? And you'd say, yeah, pivot. What's, what's pivot mean? Pivot basically means, you know, when you're going through life and life sort of throws you a curveball or doesn't really go the way you thought it was going to go, you're going to have to pivot. You're going to have to adjust. You're going to have to respond properly. You're going to have to make a move to respond to this thing. So let me ask you something. Has anybody here gone through anything and say, I don't know, the last six months that's a little different than the way you thought life might go? Anybody? Yeah. Every hand in the room is going up because we're all in a situation in life where life is not what we thought it would be and we've had to respond. We've had to pivot. That's why we said, let's do a series on helping people know how to respond. In fact, some of you know that Ann and I, who's sitting here, she just told me she's got her red, white, and blue on today. I don't know what's going on. She's patriotic. But um, uh, we just got home from a vacation. Actually, we got home uh, a week or so ago, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, we went to Colorado uh, and, and flew out to Denver where our middle son lives, Austin and Kendall, and they have four kids, two of their own and two foster that hopefully they're adopting. And we flew out there with Cody and Jenna, who you know, Cody used to be a teaching pastor here with their son, Bryce. We jumped on an airline flight, $16, one-way ticket, Unbelievable. So we go out to Denver, and then um, one of the things that Austin wanted to do, my middle son, is he loves Colorado, and he has a goal to hike all the 14ers in Colorado. By the way, I just met one of our ushers has done all 50, 14,000 feet hikes, right? Austin's done, what, three, two or three? And so he has this goal of wanting to do it. So anyway, the second day we're there, you're supposed to get acclimated, right, and drink water because it's a high altitude. Austin says we're all going to hike a 
foot mountain that's real close to the condo we're staying in, and it's going to be easy and fun. And my first thought is, are the kids going? We got five kids under five. They're all going. And Austin's like, it'll be so easy. We'll be up and down that mountain in what, two hours? That's what he said, two hours. We're like, okay, let's do this. So we get to the place. I mean, he's got all the gear. So we got backpacks with you, put the kids in, and some of them would put them on our shoulders, and we start hiking. Now, sometimes life doesn't go the way you expect. Am I right? This hike did not go the way we thought. First of all, you've got five kids under five, all right, who are hiking 10,000 feet, and we're going to go up and down in two hours. Guess what? Didn't quite go that way. Here, I got a couple pictures from my summer vacation <laughs> that I can show you. So here's sort of the beginning. That's uh, Cody up the front with Bryce on his little backpack. Austin's there in the middle with the hat on. That's one of his foster guys, Holden. And then there's Ann, my wife, who's sitting right here. She's in the back with uh, Porter, who is uh, Austin's second child. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, why is your wife carrying a kid and you're not? Because I'm the camera guy, and that's really important. To get. No, I'm, did you carry him the whole time? No, we, we took turns. But this is part of the trek up where she was carrying a kid, all right? So, um, so then it gets really hard, because it's not an easy little hike. It's sort of rugged. There's, you could step over here and go off the mountain. It's really, so there's the next picture. Do I look like I'm enjoying this trip? I mean, this is Ann giving me, you know, taking a selfie, putting one of the backpacks on, which means a kid's going to go in that backpack. I'm not smiling right now. So I'm going to talk to you today how to pivot and adjust to life interruptions. Do I look like I know what I'm talking about? No. So I'm going to tell you how you're supposed to do it. And then here's coming down. We're coming down, and there's Cody. Bryce is out, completely uh, asleep. His pregnant wife, Jenna's in there. She's uh, due in December. They're having a little girl in December, so she's pregnant, and they're coming down, and by this time, we are in what, hour what, five? Five and a half miles. Yeah, it's five and a half miles up to this thing, and you get to this little Fish Creek Falls, which by the time we got there, I'm like, okay, who cares about the falls? Can we go home now? And so then we go down. It was five to six hours. That was supposed to be two, and it really was awesome. But in the moment, I couldn't admit that, so I was the whiner, complainer, Grandpa. You know, like, I thought this was going to be two hours. My left knee doesn't even work anymore. You can probably tell I can't straighten my left knee, and so I had to... I mean, Ann and I are literally transferring kids from our neck to our backpacks coming down. The worst thing on a bad knee is descending, and so it got painful coming down. Anyway, all I'm, all, the only reason I'm telling you this is that trek is much like life. Am I right? You think it's going to go like this but it doesn't. In fact, let me ask the married couples here. Any of you think marriage is harder than you thought it would be before you got married? And I know you can't really say it really loud, but you're like, yeah. And here's what you think, because I married him <laughs> or because I married her. Here's the truth about marriage and about life and about climbing a mountain. It's always going to be harder than you think. There's going to be things that don't go the way you want. That is life. Pain or what I'm going to call today interruptions or storms or trials or adversity, whatever phrase you want to use. I'm going to use the word interruptions today because we're sort of in an interruption. And I'm just going to use that as sort of the thing that identifies pain or storms or trials in our life. They are a part of life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. Here's the thing. You're either in a storm right now, and I know many of us are, or you're coming out of one or you're headed into one. Isn't that good news? It's like, what? That's like, yeah, that's life. And here's another thing. We often think if I give my life to Jesus and I do everything I'm supposed to do in the right way and pray the right way and go to church, and 
I won't have pain in my life. Here's the truth. You will still have pain in your life. You'll have someone to go through that pain with you, but you're never going to get to a place in your life you're going to avoid interruptions or pain or treks up mountains that don't go the way you want or the pain stays longer than you thought. I thought it was going to be over in two hours. We're in hour four. Some of you are in hour or month or year five of something you thought would be over five years ago. And so here's what we're going to talk about today, and this is what Pivot is all about. How do you respond? Because when it comes to storms or interruptions in our life, I think there's two things that happen to all of us. We fail to expect them, and we fail to respond properly when it happens. In fact, we get in them, and we just, we just get mad. In fact, some of you have heard me say this, and I want you to finish this phrase. I'm just going to use the word interruptions instead of trials today, but it's just something I've said at least 100 or 200 times in 30 years. And I want to see if you've ever listened to anything I say. Because if you've listened, you'll be able to complete this phrase. Because this is a life theme truth that is timeless. And if you don't know it, you better write it down. Because it is true every day of every moment of your life. You ready? The statement is this. Storms or interruptions can make you blank or blank. Anybody know what the blanks are? Better or bitter. Some of you actually listened to my sermons. Who actually did that? You get 10 extra points. Okay, there you go. No, better or bitter. And again, you won't believe this. I wrote that theme out of the passage I'm going to teach you today when I was in seminary. I had to give a sermon right before I graduated from seminary in 1985, before I became the amazing Detroit Lions chaplain. That was right that year. And I preached this to our, our, our seminary class, and I, I was studying James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, which I'm going to teach today. And that's what came to me. Trials or interruptions can make you better or bitter. And here's something you got to write at the end of that phrase, all right? This is very important. Trials or interruptions will make you better or bitter. The choice is yours. What's that mean? Here's what this means. Let me show of hands. How many of you know somebody in your life Personally, you know somebody, or maybe you at least know enough about somebody in your life who have gone through something hard, a real trial, a real interruption, a real storm in their life. And it may be an extended one, it may have just been a, a, a five-minute one, but they've gone through something really hard, and they're now bitter because of it. How many? I'm guessing most of us in the room can think of somebody, yeah, they're, they've never really gotten through that. And they, they will point back, and there's something in them. You can almost smell it when you get around them. They are still hurting or angry at people or maybe at God, their faith. Most of us can think of somebody, yeah, I've, I've seen what, they went through something and they got bitter. Let me ask you this, show of hands. How many of you can think of somebody that actually went through maybe the same thing and got better? Anybody? Yeah, there's less hands to better than bitter because most people... Don't respond properly when I say the choice is yours because you and I have a choice in the storm, in the interruption, how we're going to respond. You respond the way God wants you to. It develops character. I'm going to show you that. If we don't respond that way, we become bitter people. And there are people that are not sitting here today, not because of a pandemic, because they're bitter at God or at the church or at people in the church. And I get it. There's a lot of bad stuff that happens and people don't respond properly, and they get bitter. So here, let's go to the Word of God. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And I just want to walk you through it because I think it's critical to understand this. Parents, you've got to teach this to your kids. You've got to, Ann and I just finished our parenting book. It's coming out in April. It's at, the, it's at the publisher right now. And one of the chapters is all about how God will use adversity in our lives to develop character. It doesn't happen 
any other way. And in James, the writer James, who's a brother of Jesus, actually a half-brother because they had the same mother, different father. Jesus' father was God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, James' father was Joseph. So anyway, you know, think about you're the brother of Jesus. You've grown up your whole life with a brother who says he's perfect, and he actually is. <laughs> you know, it's the only person in the world that had the Messiah complex, and it was true. He was, anyway, you're not even laughing at this stuff. Anyway, yeah, I guess you are. So, so here's the deal. So he writes this, this book to actually, uh, the church at the time was scattered around Asia Minor. Why? Because they were being persecuted. So they couldn't even do what we're doing right now. They could not be unified. They had to sort of scatter for their life. And he writes them a perspective that I think is life-changing. I'll read it to you. James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I'll stop right there. Just want to pause, and then we're going to jump into verse 3 and 4. But look at that. Obviously, I highlighted a couple of words that really matter. Because when you study your Bible, and by the way, I hope you memorize this passage. If there's anything I can encourage you to do after this service, go home and memorize this passage, because you're going to need it when you're in a storm. And many of us are in storms right now, so you need it right now. And he says, it's really interesting. When you look at this in the original language, Koine Greek was very specific. So these aren't just words thrown out there. God inspired James to write these words. He says, consider... The word's actually an accounting term. It means to add it up. Do the math. When you look at your life, do the math, and you will consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. By the way, is he writing to people that don't believe in God or people who believe in God? Brothers and sisters means they're brothers and sisters in Christ. So he's saying, you can't do this without Christ, but if you're brothers and sisters in Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, this is a different perspective that you should have that people who don't know Jesus, don't know God, are going to go through trials. They don't have this. They're not even able to have this perspective, but your perspective should be different because you're a brother or a sister. Does that make sense? This is a big deal. It's like, no, no, you should know something. You're going to see in a minute. In a second, he says, consider it pure joy, and I'm going to explain that in a second, brothers and sisters, whenever. Why did I highlight that word? Because it doesn't say if you encounter trials. It says when you encounter trials. What's that mean? That means you will have trials. I don't care how good a Christian you are. I don't know how long you've been a Christian. You're still going to have trials. It's not a question of if. It's a question of is it yesterday, today, or tomorrow. It's going to happen. So whenever you have trials of, I love this word, many kinds. In the Greek, it's the word pokodos. Pokodos. Does that sound like any English word you've ever heard? Sounds like polka dots, and it is a, a, a variation of that in the etymology. It's polka dotted trials, which means big ones, little ones, all kinds of different trials. He's saying this. You can have this perspective whether you have a flat tire going home today, which I hope you don't, but that's a little polka dot. It's a little tiny one. Or if somebody in your family dies, or you, get, you lose your job, or you don't know where your money's coming from. It, it could be huge. It could be small. He says, whatever kind of trial you're going to have, you're going to have all the above. You can have this perspective, pure joy. Now, here's the thing. People read that and think, oh, I'm supposed to be happy, happy, happy in Jesus all the time. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's not what pure joy means. Pure joy is not happy. Like, anybody remember the song, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. See, all the people that are going where went to church when they were kids. They've heard that song. Everybody else is like, what are you going with? You know, there's this, and it's a good song. It's a great song. There is joy that comes from knowing Christ, but it's not that kind of joy. It's not a fake, happy joy. Pure joy, literally in the original, means true, deep-seated contentment. Anybody here want real, deep-seated? <sighs> That's contentment. That's 
peace. That's a smile. That's not fake, happy, happy. It's real in the middle of a storm. James is saying that's possible. Now, here's how we live. The way most people live, and it's sad, but it's true in the church, just like it is with people outside the church. It's true with brothers and sisters and people that aren't brothers and sisters. Our joy is often tied to or connected to what? Our circumstances. If things are going well, joy. We're happy. If things aren't going well, no happy, no joy, no deep-seated contentment. There's bitterness. There's anger. There's inner turmoil. He is saying you can consider it pure joy. Now think about this. He's writing to people who could be killed because they claim Christ. And he's saying, you can have deep-seated inner peace and contentment that nobody can take away from you, even if they kill you, or you never get back together to meet as a church. You can have that in all kinds of trials. That's making a choice to respond properly in interruptions, in storms, in trials, in adversity. Now, you gotta be sitting there going, how do I do that? Well, he keeps going. You jump down to the next verse, and he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, here's what he's saying. He says, you, again, this is brothers and sisters in Christ, you know something that people that don't know Christ don't know. People that don't know the word of God don't know this, but you know this. And by the way, the word know, the reason I highlighted that word is it isn't mental, intellectual knowledge. It's experiential knowledge. What he's saying is it isn't something you read in a book. You've actually lived this. You've experienced this before in your life. You know that there's a possibility of having pure joy, inner contentment in the middle of a storm, a hurricane in your life. You've experienced this. Why? Because you know something other people don't know. It's the testing of your faith. Now, let me ask you. Remember tests in school? Some of you are going to school now or going to virtual school now. And when I was in school, every once in a while, I hated this day. When you remember this? Some of you remember you walk in, you sit down, the teacher would say, hey, today's a pop quiz. Pull out. And you're like, what? Pop quiz. Well, you didn't tell us. I know. That's why it's pop quiz. Pull out your thing. Let's go. Now, why does a teacher give a pop quiz? you think... She wants to find out what you know. Why does God give pop quizzes? He doesn't need to know. He wants you to know. Where are you in Christ? And trials and adversity and storms and interruptions of life in many ways are a test to see, not to show God where we are, to show ourselves where are we in our walk with God? Is there a faith that's able to withstand this? Is it possible to have real joy in this trial? Yes, there is. We're gonna find out if you can do it. How does it happen? You've gotta know something which, again, I've said this many times, you're not going to know God or know how to uh, navigate your faith, especially during a storm, by, by showing up at church one hour a week. It's not going to work. It's never going to be deep enough. You've got to train and build rhythms in your life where you're studying the Word of God on your own, not just when you come here and we teach it. It's got to be something that lives in you, that you know this verse, not because Dave taught at church one day, because you memorized it, you studied, you asked God, make this verse real in my life, and you go through it. Because he says, because you know that testing your faith produces perseverance. I love this word perseverance. It means long-standing patience. It means going the distance. It means never quitting, never giving up. Let me ask you something. Anybody want perseverance? We all do. 
We want the ability that when life gets hard, we don't throw it in. We don't cash it in. We don't give up. When marriage gets hard, we don't check out. We want perseverance. We want patience. We want the ability to finish the race. And he says, the only way that's going to happen is when you go through trials and consider joy, you know something will produce perseverance. Here's the thing. We all want perseverance. And by the way, he says, let me just uh, be more specific what that looks like. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let me ask a question. Anybody here want to be mature in Christ? Everybody does. I mean, if you didn't raise your hand, it's just because you didn't want to put your hand up in church. But inside you're going, yeah, I want to be mature. Here's the thing, and this is what we don't like. The only path to maturity is adversity. Write that one down. Nobody's writing that one down because we don't want that. <laughs> we want maturity. We want it to come through good times, not bad times. Here's the deal. And it's true for your kids, and that's why we shouldn't bail them out of everything. We need to let them go through things. And it's the reason God lets us go through things. Because on the other side of walking through trials or interruptions, when we pivot the way God wants us to and consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of all polka dot times, knowing that this is a test of your faith, if you do it properly, you respond properly, it produces a faith that doesn't quit, it produces maturity in your life. Now, here's the thing we don't like. The way to get there is usually through storms. People that have nothing but easy, prosperous life, which is awesome, wonderful, I love it when God blesses that way, often don't have character that can handle that prosperity. The people that have been through adversity are the most character-filled, joy-filled people in the world. Some of the people have gone through the worst things ever, if they respond properly, come out on the other side stronger and better, not bitter than anybody before. And so what am I saying? If you want maturity, you got to welcome adversity. Hey, that just sort of makes it like a good little thing. If you want maturity, you got to welcome adversity. Nobody's writing that one down either. Anyway, that was a pretty good one. But anyway, it's true. I used to joke that the Detroit Lions were the most mature football team in the NFL because they had so much adversity called losing. It's a joke, okay? Hopefully you're laughing. But anyway, it's like they went through so many things. It was like, yeah, well, we might not win football games, but we are mature. It's the same thing in life. If you choose to respond properly, God will use it to build maturity. Now, here's what we do. We don't respond properly. When trials or interruptions come, we don't pivot correctly. We get mad at God. We get mad. Here's what people do. My marriage is, is a problem. And so instead of responding properly, we say, I married the wrong person. Here's the truth. You're going to have pain and struggles in your marriage no matter who you married. Some of you know that because you married somebody else the second time. And you're like, wow, I still have problems. Yep. Because it's part of marriage. It's part of a job. You think if I had a different job, I wouldn't have this problem. You might have different problems, but you're still going to have struggles, right? If I had a different church, I'd have... You're still going to have struggles. That's just part of life. The question is not how to avoid those problems or interruptions in your life. The, per the question is, how do I respond properly? I told this story years ago. Some of you remember this. Some of you are newer, so you never heard this. And I won't go into details because it's a long story. My wife's sitting right here, and she, could, she was there. She was part of this. When we first got married, uh, we came on staff with Crew. Back in the day, it was called Campus Crusade for Christ. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Crew Ministries. Family Life, who we're going on staff with full-time in January, is a branch of crew. So we're going back on staff. But the first 15 years out of college, we're on crew staff. So long story short, we just get married. We uh, are raising support to go on staff with crew, and we have to go to Fort Collins, Colorado for training 
as new staff with crew. That's at Colorado State University. We're driving from Ohio to there, and they said, you need to be here at noon on this day, or you pay $50 late fee if you're not there by your last name. So I'm like, we're not going to be late. So we're driving my college car. It was a Saab. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Foreign car, Saab. And this is the sob story. Here's what, I'm not, not kidding, because it doesn't go well. We're driving out there. We're newly married. We love each other. We're doing uh, thank yous for our wedding gifts, the whole thing. It's just awesome. We're just driving out there. I, and I'm the tightest guy in the world, so we don't even get a hotel the first night. We sleep on a ball field somewhere in Illinois, somewhere, you know. We're newlyweds, sleeping bags under the car. Ann thought it was the most romantic thing ever, right, honey? She's still like, I can't believe we did that. So then we get in the car, and we're driving the second day, and we're taking time, because we can get there. We're just going to have a great time. Second day, the car breaks down. I mean, literally, we're just on I-70, just stop. So I pull over his shoulder, and we're like, what just happened? Don't have any idea. And I'll never forget, Ann goes, look at this. God is so good. Look, there's an exit right there. We're right here. We can walk up there. Let's just pray and thank God for taking care of us. So we are considering it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. We're in a trial. Yeah, this is easy, man. This is awesome. God, you're amazing. Here we go. We walk up. Mechanic says, hey, let's drive you back. Puts us in his truck. Went out there. He says, you know, see if you can start it. Starts right up. He goes, oh, it must be a vapor lock. I don't know cars. I go, what's that mean? Just take your gas cap off. It's so hot. Need to get air through there. Okay, we're good. We praise God. We get in the car. We drive. I don't know. A couple hours later, boom, stops. And I'm like, okay, what's happening now? And Ann's like, isn't this great? God is so good. We can do thank you notes. Let's just wait 20 minutes. He'll probably start up again. I'm like, you're right. Let's do that. God's amazing. Kumbaya. Anyway, we do some thank you notes. 20 minutes later, start a car. It, it, it works. Now, you tell me, would you stop and get it checked out, or would you just keep driving? How many would stop and get it checked out after two? Okay, how many just keep going? I got enough faith. God will take care of us. I'm just going to keep driving. Nobody's putting their hand up right now, by the way. So I did. I did that, too. I said, we better pull in. We end up in Ogallala, Nebraska. I'd never heard of that place. I'll never forget it. Because when we pulled in this gas station, the guy checked it out and said, you got a fuel filter problem. You're so lucky. I can work on foreign cars. I'm going to fix your thing but you're going to need to spend the night. So we spend a night in Ogallala. And again, we're like, God, you are so good. This thing's going to be fixed in the morning. And we got like a five-hour trip, and we got like seven hours to get there. This is going to be awesome. So we get up the next morning, pay the guy. We're just praising God. We get in the car. We're driving, and it's awesome. We're two, two and a half hours in. It's great. I'm like, you know what? There's a little, a little cut here. We can go on 76 through. It's a little back road, but you know, we're doing so good. Let's just cut. So I get off the main drag, go on uh, I-76, headed down toward Fort, Fort Collins, and about 40 minutes later, boom, the engine turns off again. And we are in the middle of nowhere. It's like, doo -doo 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 -doo. I mean, there's nothing. There's no cars going by. It's 100 degrees. And my wonderful wife looks at me and goes, let's just pray and ask God to take care of us. And her wonderful, newlywed husband looks back at her and says, are you crazy? You think there's a God taking care of us? It's obvious we're on our own. And I get out of the car and slam it, right? I don't know if those are the exact words I used, but I lost it. I'm stomping in. She's in, I can see her looking at me going like, I married this guy? This spiritual giant is now losing. I'm in the back. I literally lift up the bath gate. I have jeans on. I rip them off. I don't care. Nobody's going to see me. There's nobody on this road. So I'm standing in my tidy whities and I throw some shorts on a t-shirt and I'm just stomping her. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What is going on? Are you, I'm just, anybody ever been there? Is it just me? Of course, this is 40 years ago. I'm perfect now. But, you know, that's where I was. And I'm losing it. And let me, let me tell you, some of you are there right now. And I get it. By the way, that's okay. 
God's not surprised. You can tell him exactly what you think. I probably had a couple curse words in there. I don't know, but I was mad, and I was at a point like, there's no God. Here, here's the thing. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. <laughs> Whatever. There's no joy in this moment. Are you kidding me? Yesterday, there was joy because it was all taken care of, but now we're not going to make it. I got to pay 50 bucks. That's a big deal to a tightwad like me. This ain't going well. And it took me, what, 20, 30 minutes? She's still in the car. She's praying for me. I find out later. And finally, I come back to the car. I'm like, okay, I've settled down. Let's pray. Let's see what happens. So we pray. Say, okay, God, somehow there can be joy even in this. And I said, I think we got to start walking and hitchhiking. So we literally, like, I don't know how far we walked. We're walking down this thing. <laughs> that car goes by like once every 20 minutes. There's just nobody. And finally, we've walked several miles, snakes on the side of the road. It was just no fun. And finally, this truck goes by and he pulls over. And he gets out and he goes, hey, is that your uh, sob back there? <laughs> so he saw it. We go, yeah. He goes, uh, where are you going? We go, we're actually going to Fort Collins, Colorado. He goes, oh, so am I. I go, really? He goes, where are you going to Fort Collins? I go, we're going to the student union at CSU, Colorado State. He goes, so am I. Like, are you on staff with crew? He goes, no, I'm a professor there and I just need to stop there on the way home. He goes, I'll tow you. Like, what do you mean you'll tow me? He goes, I got a tow rope in my truck. We can hook it to your front bumper. I'll pull you right to CSU. So we get in the car, basically all I got to do, no, no gas money is spent, <laughs> I got to love this, all I got to do is tap the brakes when, you know, we get in here, and he pulls us literally right into the parking lot, into a parking spot by the thing, I run in, and the girl goes, wow, Wilson, you just made it by like 15 minutes. And I'm like, wow, look at what God did in the middle of this storm. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say every time you have a sob story, <laughs> or every time life is not going well, that's what God does. That was a miracle. He sends a guy to us that's going where we're going, and he pulls us there. That is like, you got to be kidding me. Sometimes that's how God works. Other times he's like, I'm here. You don't see me. You don't know. Was God there on the third breakdown? He was there the whole time. You can respond any way you want. I'm just telling you, you're going to go through a trial anyway. Why not choose better rather than bitter? Why not choose joy rather than no joy? And by the way, you can't choose it. You have to ask for it because he gives it. I don't have the ability to muster up that kind of pure contentment joy. Only Christ in me can give that. And by the way, the next uh, day, we took that car to a dealer and traded it for a vet. Our first year, we drove a vet, a Chevette. That's what we drove. Some of you are like, what's a Chevette? Some of you are old enough to remember those horrible cars. But anyway, that's what we drove. But anyway, here's the thing. I remember that story, and I'm like, you have to choose. And right now, some of you have lost your job. I have a friend that lost his job in March and still doesn't have one. And he has to choose pure joy and he is. Why? Because he knows by experience that God will meet him. He doesn't know how or when or what the future looks like, but he knows what perseverance is in Christ because he's experienced it before and he's mature and complete. And that's what you want. And so you can choose it right here, right now. And here's the thing. I know how church works. We choose it here in this moment, like, okay, I'm good. Then we walk out there, and something hits us. 
like their car breaks down again, or your husband or wife says that thing again, or your boss calls you in and says, I hate to tell you this, but, or the doctor calls and says, we just looked at your MRI, right? And it's like, oh, it works great in here, but when we walk out there, it doesn't work. Yes, it does work out there, but you have to choose it out there just as in here. And here's the last thing I'll say. The most amazing thing about going through interruptions or trials or storms in our life is not only does God meet us in those storms, but he then wants to use those trials and character that's developed in our life to bless others. I said here, I don't know what series it was. I get them all mixed up, but sometime in the last year, some of you remember this. Again, I don't know what series it was, but God impressed this, this thought on me. God wants to use our pain, your pain, to point us to our purpose and our people. In fact, you should write that one down. That is another truth in life. Our pain leads us to our purpose in life and the people that he wants us to minister to out of our pain who are going through maybe the same or similar things. Does that make any sense? Where's that come from? I'll close with this. Second Corinthians, Paul writes this. What a beautiful verse. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what? Compassion. You need compassion? That's where you get it. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. You need comfort? You're not going to get it from a paycheck. You're not going to get it from a marriage. You're not going to get it from your spouse. You're not going to... You get it from the God of all comfort. Now, look at this. Who comforts us in all our troubles. So if you need comfort right now, again, you think it's going to come from your circumstances turning. It's not going to come from that. It comes from the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. Look at this. So that... We can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Did you catch something there? Some of you know English know well enough to know that the, the phrase, so that, is a purpose statement. In other words, he's saying, the purpose of your trial wasn't just to experience God's comfort in your life. That's part of it. But he said, the real purpose is so that you can comfort others. That's why I say our pain leads us to our purpose, which leads us to our people. What's that mean? You're looking at a kid right here, a grown man now, who was a kid that came from a broken family, divorced in the 60s, and there was hardly any families I knew that were divorced. So I come from a broken marriage and family, and now, as a man, I am being used by God with my wife on Family Life Today radio podcast to minister to millions of people around the country about what? Making their marriages and families work. How does that happen? God used the pain in our life to point us to our purpose and to the people that need what God has done in us to others. Here's the thing. God wants to do the same thing in you and whatever you've gone through. I used to look at the pain in my life as the worst thing that ever happened. Now I look back and think, wow, God used that to actually bring real comfort and joy into my life so that I can now be the hope bringer to others to say, if we made it, you can make it. And here's how. And God says, here's how. In Christ, brothers and sisters. You can't do it apart from him. And so all we need to do is go, okay, God, you want to use the pain and adversity and the storms and interruptions in my life? If I pivot the way you want, you're going to use that to bless others. He goes, oh, I just can't wait to use you to bless others in your neighborhood, in your job, in this community, in your family. God wants to use you. You're as much a minister of the gospel as I am. Just because it's on my vocational job doesn't make it any different than you. I can't minister to people that you are placed by, by God, and that's why he wants to comfort you so that you can comfort others. So what, what do you do? You say, God, I'm available. God, use me. And he says, let's go. You won't believe what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna use you in a powerful way with the comfort that I've given you through Jesus, that comfort you're gonna extend to others. 
So here's what we're going to do as we close the day. We're going to sing a song called Available. And maybe you've heard it because we've done it before. Maybe you never have. We'll probably sing it again Wednesday night if you come back and join us on September 2nd. But it's a song that says, God, I'm available. Send me. And it's a beautiful song. Listen to it first and then join in and say, man, this is a prayer. This isn't just a song. This is a prayer where we say to God, let me pray for you as we do that. Father God, I pray that you would use us as your instruments to that, that not only receive your comfort, but then we get to be your comfort to our neighbors and our family members and our coworkers and really anyone that you strategically bring into our life, we get to be the light of you because you live and shine in us. So I pray you shine through us. And Lord, I pray for some people, some individuals, some families, singles right now that are really, really hurting. I pray that they would experience the God of all comfort and they would experience pure peace, contentment, joy that only comes from you as we surrender all. So Lord, we surrender all and we ask you to use us to bless others. In Jesus' name, amen.
God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. With no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born, and the vapor of your breath the planets form. If the stars are made to worship, so will I. I can see your heart and Every burning star, a signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praises, so
Wow. That was powerful, wasn't it? Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Tim, Jocelyn, Matthias, Cassie. Thank you. I don't, I don't know about you. I needed that. There's something unique that happens that doesn't happen in the spoken word, in other words, a sermon. It happens in an artistic, musical worship that we just experienced. And that's why I say, if you're at home, come join us. And join us Wednesday night. We're going to do a little bit of that, maybe a lot of that. And then we're going to look at Psalm 73. Read it today, read it tomorrow, read it Tuesday, read it Wednesday. Then come join me. We're going to walk you through that and have a great night. And by the way, we have our prayer team right in that back room right there. The door is open. If you need prayer and you want to pray with somebody, our team's amazing. They'd love to meet you right there. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you Wednesday night or see you next Sunday for week four of Pivot. Have a great week. God bless you. See you later.